Welcome to In the Spotlight. This is a podcast brought to you by the Guild of HR Professionals in association with Lace Partners. And welcome to the latest In the Spotlight podcast. This is a podcast brought to you by the Guild of HR Professionals, uh, supported by Lace Partners. My name is Chris Howard from Lace Partners, and today I'm joined by Andrew Wilkinson from People Scout. Hello, Andrew. How are you doing? Hi there. Good, thank you. Excellent, excellent. And Sally Talbot from Pair Ardua. Sally, how are you doing? You all right? Very good, thanks, Chris. We will be good when we get to go and enjoy the sunshine a little bit later. But for now, we're in podcast mode. And today's podcast is talking a little bit of a talent focus. I'll let the guys introduce themselves in a second and give a bit of background as to into what they're doing. But at the time of recording, we are at the end of May. Uh, we've been in lockdown for the best part of two months since the end of March in the UK. And today we wanted to talk to Andrew and Sally, just to talk about the impact that the current situation has had on their business, but also their clients that they're talking to, and also the industry as well that they're working with. So, we're going to get, get into that. I'm going to let Andrew and Sally dictate proceedings in a second. But before we do that, perhaps a little bit of a background on both of you guys. So Sally, I don't know if you want to kick us off by just giving us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So uh, I, uh, I have three sort of main roles, Chris, that I have at Paradua. The day job, if you like, is uh, running the HR search practice. So placing CHROs, chief people officers, as well as some heads of reward or group heads of culture and talent, mostly across financial services and technology clients. So that can include asset management, private equity, challenger banks, uh, insurance, and then some of the fintechs and, and real estate clients. And the other hat I wear is we've launched and I help run our leadership consulting arm, which is called Pantheon Leadership. And that is an associate model of both sort of board credible coaches and assessment experts. And then the third element is really I drive a lot of our DNI initiatives. So whether that's uh, working with clients on more creative ways that they can map diverse talent or co-hosting events with a number of people from 30% club to the women ahead cross company mentoring team. Yeah, that's kind of the three elements to the role. And then before Parada, it was psychology background and various other things, both in corporates and running my own business. So certainly enough to keep you busy by by all accounts. And I bet it's been quite uh, interesting over the last few weeks. We'll come to that in a second. But Andrew, do you want to t- just talk to us a little bit about what you do and, uh, and you guys at PeopleScout? Sure, Chris. Thank you. Uh, I'm Andrew Wilkinson. I'm the group MD of uh, Europe and APAC for a company called People Scout. We're the world's uh, leading RPO firm operating in Asia Pac and North America and obviously Europe. In the UK, we also operate as TMP Worldwide, so uh, a recruitment marketing and employer branding firm. And you know what we've, what we've really got is a very diverse group of clients to kind of pull on for today's podcast. So we work for the likes of Sainsbury's, KPMG, Vodafone, Maersk, Diageo, whole bunch of government departments, central government, uh, local government, and NHS Trust. So uh, a real wide spectrum of experiences that we've had as we've gone through the COVID experience. Mm. The COVID experience, I, I like that. It doesn't sound like a fun ride at all, does it? Let's be honest with you. So let's talk a little bit about the last eight weeks then. And Andrew, perhaps you could start from that side, just talking about 
your view on what's happened, a bit of a helicopter view, and then some of the things that you've seen, how organizations have reacted, that sort of stuff. Sure. I mean, I think it would be interesting for all of you uh, who are probably mostly HR professionals that our clients behaved in a way very much like I suspect you did. So it was very much stop anything, let's look after our people. There was a huge effort in terms of getting people working from home, standing them up to be able to do their roles, working out what resources they need, looking at the furlough situation. So pretty much across the patch, we had this kind of sudden inertia where there wasn't a lot of client activity, but equally that allowed us to focus on on our own people. Quite quickly, a lot of the customers fell into one of two camps. There were those that almost stopped hiring. They just, in a sense, they're either in hospitality. One of our clients is Heathrow Airport, and it doesn't take a genius to work out that they have not been doing a lot of recruitment since this all kicked off, um, and, and literally uh, they've stopped. And then you can go to the other extreme. Another client of ours is Virgin Media, and Virgin Media have become, I suppose, a key service in lockdown mode with their uh, you know, broadband services and so on. And they needed an urgent and an extremely large extra requirement of people in a five to six week window where we had to stand up a new recruitment model, a new assessment model, and roll that out and go through the attraction and hiring process to give them those extra people for that capacity. So we really, you know, I think really have seen a a very broad spectrum of responses. And I think that, you know, one of the things that organizations have become perhaps more concerned about than they would in the normal uh, environment has been the candidate experience. So a whole bunch of people out there who had been applied, they were in a process, they were expecting a, a normal outcome in terms of invite to interview and so on. And and they've just kind of been put in a holding pattern. I think there are organizations who have dealt with that well. And there are perhaps some organizations that have dealt with that less well. And that might come back to bite them a little bit around their employer brand and reputation uh, in a post-COVID world. Mm. Yeah, Sally, so what have you guys seen um, from your perspective at the moment then over the last sort of eight weeks? Yeah, I think um, it was interesting for me functionally at the beginning. I couldn't understand why CHROs were sort of on 12-hour Zoom calls a day and then having to deal with 500 emails. And I, I think because it's been predominantly a people crisis i think they have been particularly busy and in the thick of all of of the planning initially and the decision making uh, helping exco sort of work through that um, i think sort of coming out the other side we've definitely seen a sort of slightly strange increase in creativity around how uh, i think surprised some of our clients have been how quickly they've adapted to working at home Things like increases in employee engagement quite early on, which I think surprised some of them, and much flatter decision making. So I think those CEOs that certainly displayed a lot of empathy and a lot of very good communication at the beginning seemed to drive, weirdly, sort of much more increased engagement, I think, from people. But I think, on the other hand, it's sort of also thrown up all sorts of issues around you know, it, it overnight, it's almost changed the psychological contract, hasn't it, between the employer and the employee. And, you know, a, again, I think some organisations are finding it easier to trust and let go, whereas others, you know, are complaining almost of sort of working days being extended and overstretched and, and almost working harder than they have in the past. 
So I, th I think going forward, particularly clients are going to have to work quite hard to rebuild that relationship and, and how they, they work sort of going forward. Yeah, it's quite an interesting one that you talked about the creativity there. And I, I just wrote that down as, uh, as Andrew, as you were talking as well. One of the questions I've written down is, have you seen a lot of creativity from your clients during this period? Because people are having to make decisions quickly. So is that something that you guys have seen regularly? Have you got any examples of that other than what you what you've mentioned? I think the ability for people to do things that they would never otherwise have thought about has been quite interesting. So, you know, we've stood up a number of customers with virtual interviewing capability we're designing virtual assessment centers for customers and I think that people are recognizing that they need to kind of relax some of the controls and the thoughts they had before and and in a sense allow a new landscape to emerge that they have to adapt to you know I've heard so many times over the last six or eight weeks people quoting that they had a CEO or a senior manager who refused to let people work from home. And then obviously it's been forced on them. And then their typical reaction has been, I can't believe how well it's worked. And I think that, you know, we're seeing employers and recruiters who have said, oh, you know, we always need to do a face-to-face -face interview. We don't like telephone interviews or video interviews. And they have been forced to embrace new technologies, new ways of doing things, and then almost have kind of looked surprised that these things have worked and panned out and actually delivered a successful result. So, yeah, I think creativity is part of it, but also I think just a more open perspective around what they need to accept as the new norm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? You've got so many people that have suddenly had to change the way in which they're doing things and uh, their minds, the mindset shift from leadership and leaders has been quite quite significant I think as well and you mentioned about candidate experience and uh, and the employer brand stuff I mean Sally from your perspective when Andrew was talking about employer brand I find this quite a fascinating topic because it's something that I I mean I've worked in the recruitment industry for many years as well uh, before I've worked at, at base partners and this was something that lots of HR teams HR professionals you know talent teams have talked about but it feels like it's been a big company sort of mantra really and I just wonder how much you're going to get other you're going to get that mindset change across all types of businesses at the moment I don't know if you have any general thoughts around oh, well, let's go back to the original question which was around the creativity but also on how potentially you know the mindset shift is going to change and people are going to are people going to take employer brand a little bit more seriously is it going to force people to make decisions a little bit more quicker do you think yeah I think definitely the employer brand I think the companies that we've seen focusing on their customers so, uh, and this whole sense of purpose, putting back, I think suddenly employees are questioning what is the broader purpose of their organization beyond just productivity or delivering income. So I, th I think that's from my perspective, when I talk about creativity, it's, I mean, from a very practical level of, you know, people making their employees go offline between 12 and one for their well-being or yeah. some of the global insurers have implement a sort of present online status so they can react if an employee hasn't logged on for 24 hours but it it goes way beyond the well-being to I think that you know we're seeing a lot of companies going beyond the normal to really give back to their customers or think far more viscerally about what the customer means and I, I think again from a creativity point of view those organizations that emerge will be better at thinking mm -hmm. about both employees and customers and, and they almost become 
synonymous. Yeah, I think creativity has kind of come into play many different ways. I think you're you're right in terms of looking after people and looking after employees. And I think one of the things that I was surprised at this morning, I woke up, I woke up, got up this morning and logged on. We've had some employee engagement stuff on Zoom, like everybody's done. But one of the things we realized a week or so ago was that a lot of this was focused on the employees themselves, but the employees were having to do homeschooling. They were having kids to look after and whatever. So we flipped last Friday's session into a sort of uh, kids have got talent for all the kids of the employees. And we got them to, you know, put in little videos of the kids doing stuff at home and whatever. And, you know, I think it would be fair to say three months ago, the idea of getting people's kids involved in a work related thing and whatever just wouldn't have happened. It would have been seemed like nonsensical, you know, and here we are kind of with the employees voting on other employees' children's talent. So, you know, I do think a lot, a lot of change, a lot, a lot of creativity around how you do all things, you know, engagement, well-being, you know, across the whole spectrum of things that are important in these current times yeah I mean I I never thought I would interview so many people with uh, either children or dogs or other halves (laughs) in the background you from a you you definitely have seen a far more human face of uh, both clients and candidates actually in in this market do you know what that's interesting you said that because that's exactly the word was going through my head it's like the human side of it I mean we're having a conversation now. I'm looking at all of the wonderful sort of pictures that Andrew's got in his background. You guys could probably see the weird sort of sharp montage that I've got in mine. But do you think, I'm, I'm kind of now looking at the beyond this current state of flux that we're in and the future and how things are going to change. So I don't know if you guys just want to give me a thought as to how things are going to change, whether you think some of the quickly implemented actions that businesses have started to deliver and we talked about the remote remote working side of it for example now all of a sudden it's become a thing whereas before businesses might have just said you know you've got the right to request flex work and you've got the right to request you know the remote working but people are going to start demanding or are they going to start demanding doing that moving forward how how does the actual talent acquisition process change do you think moving forward as well I don't know who I want to fire that to. Who wants to answer that one first? Sally, do you want to go kick off? Yeah, ladies first, yeah. go on. I, I mean, my hope is that succession planning will actually weirdly become more targeted. So, you know, so some of the people that they thought were ready to step up, I think some of them have stepped up quicker than they thought in this crisis and others that maybe that were on the succession lists have shown that they're not quite ready yet from an employee point of view you could see an increase in sabbaticals becoming more common you know some people are talking about starting their plural ned career sooner rather than later i mean to andrew's point i think you're definitely going to see an increase in assessment at the end of searches um, and what would have been maybe five references are turning into more like 10 to 15 because i think people want that data but i mean the other big thing that we haven't even talked about is this whole sort of dichotomy really between real estate and people but that's probably a much broader topic but I I don't think there's going to be this mass nobody wanting to return to the office I just think there will be a different use maybe of the physical space and the frequency that people use it. Yeah I think that's a a good point I mean just in our own organisation we've been having conversations about you know what will the future of the office use 
can become, you know, and I think that it will be an interesting one when when it's a reality. And I think it's hard at the moment because we don't know whether or not there'll ever be in the next year, 18 months, a time when social distancing isn't a key part of how we use our office environment. But let's assume at some point that we are broadly back to a normal use of office space. I generally don't think that you will have as many people in as frequently as we previously did, you know, pre-COVID. But I do think that there are things that you can make work in the current climate, but they're not necessarily the optimum way to do things. And I think that's true of just meetings. And, you know, I think, you know, sometimes getting people energized in a room, the chemistry, the playing off each other. Zoom's a fantastic tool. And we've all used it excessively over the last eight to 10 weeks, perhaps too much sometimes. But it doesn't replace that physical chemistry of being in a room and bouncing ideas off each other and creating that kind of energy you can get from being you know, present. And I think that, you know, that there are times we will value that time together more and perhaps use it in a more energized way. I think from an employer point of view, people have adopted virtual interviewing, virtual assessment. And what I think that means for the future is they will continue to use these tools, but I think they will also say, how do I want to use the face-to-face time? So face-to-face, I think, will come back into the selection process for many organizations, but it may now concentrate on other things because they've learned to use the virtual assessment tools, the vir- you know virtual interviewing tools to provide some of that early indication of whether there's a fit and chemistry and go on, go through that kind of initial stage. The face-to-face thing, I think, will come back, but perhaps with a different purpose. Yeah, it's the relationship building that is much harder to do. So some clients, particularly if they've had maybe three or four new co members, are certainly, it's, it's easier to virtually onboard maybe one person, but I think virtually onboarding three or four at a senior level, it's the first time you have that sort of connection or trust or, you know, human moment with somebody face to face that it just, it just takes a bit longer. I, I think weirdly some of the onboarding experience people are saying have been very structured and it's forced clients to do virtual onboarding in a far more structured way but it's it's still the the longer term relationships that you'll have to have human contact and 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 physically still meet up and it's it's not going to completely change the way that we interact as human beings no no, exactly. And in terms of, I'm quite interested in finding out about this from the skills side as well. So we're looking in our crystal balls at the moment and we just, just talked about how things might change in the post COVID world and we're all getting back to some semblance of normality, although when that is, heaven only knows. Let, let's talk briefly about the skills side because I'm quite interested to find out from you guys what your opinions are and what skills might change, what are employers going to be looking for in this world of, you know, we, we have to stay two meters apart and uh, you've got a queue for absolutely everything at the supermarkets, you know, but from, a, from a, an employer perspective, what are the t- what's the kind of the employee of tomorrow looking like given this this life that we're now leading well i think i think one of the challenges that lots of organizations will face as as we emerge is whether or not the role profiles that they currently recruit to are the right role profiles for the people that they want in the new world so you know just from simple things like the ability and the adoption of technology you know the ability to perhaps get things done in our virtual world from a work from home environment i just think that the there'll be a number of things that when people look at what's important in a success in a role going forward the goalposts will have moved slightly 
And I think that, you know, the only way, therefore, you're going to hire the right talent is to take a step back, do some job analysis around what good performance will look like for the future, and then ensure that your selection and assessment activities will be fit for purpose to hire the people that will be successful in your business going forward. And, and that's quite a big ask. But I do think that, you know, that, that sometimes you need a, a bit of a perfect storm like this to get your mind thinking around change. You know, it's true. I think pre-COVID, you know, often people were being hired into a job where they were being deemed to be potentially successful. And then 18 months later, the job had moved on so much, they were no longer quite fit for purpose. And I think that that's part of what will happen now. We need people with a kind of growth mindset and ability to be adaptive and kind of change with what's going on. Because I do think that for the next two or three years, there'll be a lot more change in the world of employment, as in how we perform and what we do as employees. And as an organization, it's like, am I going to get the best of the right people for this fluid situation to drive performance of the company forward, but actually different type of employee engagement model, different type of onboarding. There'll be so many things that are different. And I do think that, you know, that that's for me, one of the big challenges going into the, the sort of 2021, 2022 opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I think we, we'd already seen an increase in roles like heads of transformation, but I think you'll also get new roles emerging. So whether it's group heads of culture um, I think some of the people analytics data roles will definitely increase. Um, heads of cybersecurity, we've seen a big increase in. So, uh, and even some of the non-exec roles, you know, for the first time we're handling a non-exec role that they want somebody with a culture, people, HR background rather than the traditional sort of numbers, Renko background. So I, I do think you, you'll see different types of roles emerge from a change perspective. And I also think you could get more pre-searches rather than, you know, full-blown searches where you're actually looking at what the market has, which will be probably pretty good for things like D&I. But yeah, those are the main sort of things that I see emerging. And in terms of... I've got a broad, I've got a general broad question, actually. Is talent attraction going to get harder? Well, I think you're going to get two quite opposite challenges. So for certain roles, there will be an excessive number of applications in the short term as we have a very soft labor market. So you could expect for, you know, kind of volume roles for relatively unskilled roles, you could see hundreds of applications as people try and re-enter the world of work. And then I think you're back to the other point I was just making, which is those people that have got the ability to adapt to change, embrace the digital world, perform highest at points of unsupervised activity uh, remotely and so on are going to be in higher and higher demand. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that the kind of digital piece has always been, you know, for two, three, four years, a factor where we say we've got not enough digital skills. And I think this is just going to accentuate that as a challenge around, uh, you know, the need for people to be more digitally enabled, digitally capable. Will a talent attraction become harder? I think at the senior levels, you've always got a finite pot of people who excel in what they do. But I think talent will become more globalised. I think there'll be more disintermediation. And I think organisations might have to fight harder to demonstrate their purpose, their culture, their values beyond just what the job is. And I think employees will become more discerning and more questioning around those sorts of issues before they accept a role. I think um, think you make a really good point, Sally, that 
uh, roles will become more global. One one of the things that this has proved to say the UK and its employers is the ability for people not to have to sit in an office. So we sit in an office alongside colleagues much more than other people in other countries, and therefore, you know, I think this has taught us all a lesson. So what you know, if I'm prepared to work the right hours, why couldn't I work in for an organisation in another country? You know, and I think that I think there is going to be a breaking down of some of the barriers of where your talent pool boundaries exist, and they could easily be stretched much more widely and yeah. more geographically. Yeah, I think they will be for sure. Yeah. And so we're just coming towards the end, actually, of today's podcast, which has actually flown by. So it's been really, really good chatting to you guys. Is there any sort of takeaway that you'd like to give to the uh, listeners that we've got of the of the Guild podcast that you'd like them to think about in terms of you know, what's going to be the world post COVID and, and based on some of the things that you're seeing in terms of the talent market? I think I'm going to just go back to something we talked a little earlier about, which is the employer brand of an organization. So mm. I, I think lots of organizations have handled this crisis, let's call it, and the challenges that have come with it very well. And they've done some great comms, they've done some great work around wellness and well-being and mental health and so on. So, you know, big ticks, big ticks for lots of companies. I think there are others that have done less well. And one of the challenges of the digital virtual world we live in, and perhaps a world where people have had a bit more time on their hands, is the commentary on Glassdoor and things like that could have allowed people to also share some of their more negative experiences. And, you know, that is now going to be quite visible. And people are going to be, talent out there is going to be more sensitive to the organizations that handled this well and cared for and looked after their employees well and those that perhaps didn't. And I think, you know, the brand and reputation piece is something that some organizations may have to look at the damage that's been done and then think about their recovery. And I, I think to end on a positive note, actually, for the for the HR community, I actually think the role sort of almost overnight, the importance of it's been accelerated. Um, all of the stuff that we had in every brief was around workplace of the future or digital. And I think it's just been accelerated in front of people's eyes. So I, I actually think for the really talented people in that function, it's a very positive step and I, I can't see anything other than their roles becoming increasingly key and I think while the focus is on people you know that that particular function is going to not not just now but I think going forward get us out of you know what will be a very difficult 18 months to two years. Mm. I think we talked about that I talked about that, Annette and I talked about that with Peter Cheese, actually, and he was talking about the emphasis of how the HR profession has been almost pushed to the forefront because this global pandemic has touched pretty much everybody. And as a result, you've got HR teams that are needing to think very quickly to uh, work hard. And I think, as you said, Andrew, the, the employer brand piece is really, really important, that cultural congruence of making sure that you are ensuring that your business can maintain its its culture and and how it's perceived by employees future employees that, that it may may or may not have but it's been really really good chatting to you guys today thank you very 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 much if you'd like to subscribe you can subscribe to this podcast on hr on the offensive um, you can search for hr on the offensive it's in the spotlight you can also find it on the hr guild uh, website it's 
guildofhrprofessionals.org forward slash podcast. Uh, and you can listen to the live streams that we've got up there as well. This is um, the fifth podcast that we've now launched and we're looking to do these on a weekly basis uh, coming out every single Tuesday. So I think that leaves me with, with nothing else to say other than uh, thank you very, very much, Andrew, for coming on today. It's been really, really good chatting to you. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Sally. And Sally, it's been great to have you on as well. Thanks, Chris. And we'll see you next time on the In the Spotlight podcast brought to you by the HR Guild of Professionals. 